0: Blog Talk Radio. Music
1: Funky, Funky Writers Show is now in the air, spotlighted on BadRedHeadMedia.com as an author, top podcast on the web today, and called a total blast of a show for writers. My name is Robert Batista, and with over 200 shows now in cyberspace, the Funky Writers Show is now a cultural icon. Connect with us on the exciting Twitter page by going to at thefunkywriter. The only way to escape the banality of life is through the cultivation of passions. Through them, you will find a small patch of existence to which one could ascribe meaning. Although I have a life filled with passions, I suspect that someday soon, my commitment to a life in feathered shoes will waver. The indifferent world will see that I feel my weaknesses, and for days, even weeks, I will be defeated and insignificant. I will stray from my conviction to live passionately, but over time, I will remember the progress I had made, and even if I am reluctant, will lace on Hermes' shoes once more. These are the insightful words of today's guest. Austin L. Wiggins. Welcome to the Funky Rider Show, Austin Wiggins.
0: Hey, Robert. It's nice to be here.
1: It's really great having you on, Austin. Welcome. Um, Austin, that piece of great writing I opened with was from one of your blog's articles called The Shoes I Travel In. Let's open with how the writing bug bit you. When was it? And what was the first thing you did to cultivate it?
0: When the writing book first hit me, uh, I was a kid. I've been writing since I was a kid, you know? Um, like, first thing I remember ever writing was like a short story for a competition in like the third grade. And I don't know, like I was I was inspired. It was a competition. You know, I'm, I'm a competitive guy, you know? And, uh, yeah I saw that as a chance to do something, and I went for it. You know I got second place wasn't first, but uh I enjoyed every bit of it and been writing ever since
1: so that competition you were in, do you remember what you, you wrote? Do you remember what it was about?
0: um
1: it was a fantasy story
0: um actually, I wrote fantasy for a good majority of my life before switching over to fiction, just general fiction, I should say um something about uh, like a warrior climbing up Mount Olympus and fighting gods, or something along those lines.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's fascinating. So, what is the website writingsbyender.com dot com, and part did you play on how you associated with it and its content?
0: Writings by Ender is. Well, it started out as a place for me to write pieces like uh, the shoes I travel in, things that were more philosophical, more even ethical, just to explore themes that I was interested in. Um, another one of my more popular blog articles was um, "Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People?" You know, it was it was things like that that first propelled me to start this blog, Writings by Ender. So, over time, I found that I was reaching like a a wall, like I was running out of content to write about. And when I started Writings by Ender, I posted like four short stories, and then I was like, oh, no, maybe I'll write about this, and, you know, went along the philosophy side for a long time. And then I was like, well... I'm hitting this wall. Why not try to write some fiction? So I've been writing fiction now since um, for well over a year, like officially, I've been writing fiction my whole life. But this blog, uh, about a year I've been writing fiction now.
1: So is Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Please go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, is Writings by Ender just your writings and your content, or – are other writers on here also?
0: I have other writers on the blog. Um, I have... Anytime I see something that I really feel compared to the show with people or I see a writer that has an opinion that I agree with or even if I disagree with can value the validity of their opinion, I ask them, hey, do you want to post on the blog? And actually how it came about is uh, two good friends of mine were kind of dabbling in writing. I was like, Hey, if you want and just you know, if you come up with a good article to come uh, write with, just you know, send it to me and if I like I'll put it on there. So we had things like I had a movie review on there, uh by my good friend Drew Gorman, who's also writing now. He's submitting stories to a couple of reviews in the States then my friend uh, Alan, who is an economist from Berkeley and does think pieces on, like, uh, being eco-friendly or uh, – I think one of his more popular ones was, like, why not having opinion isn't enough. Like, you can have an opinion, but that doesn't make it a good opinion to have, you know?
1: Right, right. So it started like that. Austin, your bio states in part that your work center around philosophy, as you stated, and ethical concepts. Can you elaborate more on this? Are these the issues you are mainly concerned with in your breadth of writings? Yeah. um, Philosophy kind of
0: was this random interest of mine. Uh, I started reading Albert Camus, the french Algerian philosopher-writer. And ever since then, I've had this fixation on Western philosophy. So, you know, I kind of, and I read a lot of it. I read, uh, I've read almost everything Albert Camus has written. written, um, you know, Sartre, Nietzsche, things like that, are things that I tend to read when I'm reading nonfiction instead of fiction. And I think I knew when I started it that these ideas would go into influencing what I was going to write about.
1: Now, on the uh, art of writing itself, did you... Austin, take any formal writing courses or join any writing groups to help you master your craft, or did you just jump in cold turkey and write?
0: I jumped in cold turkey, and I just made up everything as I went along. Um, I was lucky, though. Um, my good friend, Drew Gorman, who I talked about already, he's a editor as well. And so for when he had time, I would send him something like, hey, what do you think of this? And he would always, you know, Google Docs, by the way, is amazing for writing. You could send somebody something and they can leave live edit. It's amazing. But that's what I would do with him is I would send it to him and he would read it, leave comments. And I was able to edit all within the document. And that's kind of what started my evolution as a writer was a correspondence with somebody who was more educated on how to write. Right.
1: Now, was he the only one, or did you send it out and let other people edit your stuff, too?
0: It started with him. My peer readers are now grown to four people, um, I was reading one of Stephen King's books, actually his On Writing, and he talked That's about how he had, yeah. it is actually a really excellent book. I love it, and it's one of the books that I keep on me at all times. Like, I travel a lot because of work, and I keep like three or four books that I just might need to reference at any point. So, I was reading On Writing, and he talked about how. Um, after his second or third draft, he would send it out to, like, his wife first, and then a another ring of people. So it started out with my friend Drew, and then I moved to my friend Alan, and then a few other friends, my friend Razik. And then my wife's always my last reader instead of my first.
1: <laughs> I'm like <laughs> Stephen King. My
0: wife's my last reader. <laughs>
1: Is that by design or what?
0: (laughs) I think it's by design. It was a little (laughs) unconscious decision, but it's, um, I like, I constantly try to impress her. I'm not going to get there. I don't think yet, but I try to impress her. (laughs) So that's why I need to find a project for her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, Austin, you seem, by your picture and my talking to you to be a very young man. It is said that most it is said that most people hit their stride as writers in middle age after they've gone through the fire and experienced the trials and tribulations of life. How do you feel about this perception I don't know um In some ways
0: I can definitely get it I mean there's been a lot of writers who Didn't really hit their stride until You know 35, 40 Uh, But there have also been writers Like F. Scott Fitzgerald who had their First book out in their I think Early to mid-20s And um, even Stephen King I think um, His first novel was published When he was like 25, 26 Do I think that I've hit my stride yet? No I don't think so I don't think I'll hit it till much later. So I think I think where it comes from is um, the experience that life gives you. Like, you know, when you're 30, 40, you have much more experience to base your writing off of than when you're 23, like I am almost 24. And I think that can go a long way when it comes to writing good quality, good quality layered fiction.
1: Yeah. And I'm also a testament to that, you know, um, 30 and and 40 and beyond, you know, um, you just, just grow. Not only do you grow as a writer, but you grow as a human being. You grow as a person and And that reflects in your writing. I, I I see the writings that I've done in my twenties and thirties, and then look at it now, and uh, it, it is definitely a lot more insightful. So um another popular notion, Austin, is that a great writer also also has to be a prolific reader. Is this something you agree with?
0: I'm going to say yes right now, and if my friend Drew's listening to this, he might laugh. And I say this because <laughs> I was extremely, extremely resistant to that idea for a good amount of years. I don't know why, because I love reading. Reading, I did, I read since I was a child, but I thought that they were separate ideas. And I think it shows in my some of my earlier writings that I wasn't reading. But um, now I think I've read... I don't know, something like fourteen, fifteen books in the past four months, which is, I mean, decent. It's like two, a book every two weeks, which I'm okay with. I'm a slow reader, and it's helped me significantly. Um, my wife actually just mentioned the other day about how, from my first work of fiction to my latest work of fiction, which is the last short story, that I'm. Doing before I go on hiatus, there's been like a night and day change, and so I think I can attribute a lot of that to writing or to reading. I'm sorry,
1: yeah, interesting. Um, another thing is, you seem comfortable writing the short story genre, as you mentioned earlier. Why do you feel this genre is working so well for you?
0: That's a good question. I don't know. I like to think that I just it's something that feels right for me. It's a medium that gives me a certain limit and as long as I'm within that limit I could fit anything into there. I think that limit is gives me everything that I need to release my creativity. And I think that's why it's working, is because I have those that like five hundred to maybe 10,000-word limit that I have to put the whole story in.
1: I can attest to that. Um, I wrote a short piece called My Baby Has No Name that's only three pages long, and it's one of the best things I've ever written, and people have told right. me that. Uh, so, you know, with the short story, it's like, boom, you got to hit them hard. <laughs> you have to hit right, them quick, exactly. you have to hit them hard, and then you have to have actually a dynamite ending to me. Right. I mean, that, the ending has to be very, very powerful as well, the beginning and the exactly. ending. So, yeah, yeah, I, I love the short story, and I definitely can attest to that. Um, so, Austin, let's talk about your approach to authoring a story or an article. Do you start with a seed or a concept and then it germinates? And do you do much research for your pieces?
0: My process has been changing a lot. I started out with I would think of an idea and I would just run with it. Just see how far how long I can drag it, then I would bring it in. I think there's merit to doing that. I don't think it's personally for me. I think I tend to ramble too much when I try to do it that way, and I can. I can definitely ramble for a long time. But lately, it starts with the concept. I'll think of, you know, what character is in what position? How do I explain all of that? And so with, let's just say, one of my, my most recent short story actually is called A Flowers. I personally really like it, but the idea from it came, I was in a hotel in Texas at the time, and I thought, what if a, uh, like a hotel clerk Witnessed a murder. Now, if you read *A Flowers*, it's nothing like that. Uh, I ended up changing a lot of pieces around the idea for it to become what it is. And I think that's what more of what writing should be for me is: you start with a seedling, and you just slowly, like uh, it's like sculpting. I'll say it's like sculpting. Your concept is like your block of marble and then you just slowly chisel away until you get the final piece of your, of your short story, of whatever story you're working on.
1: Yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I like that. Um, Austin, some writers can whip out a pen or a laptop anytime, anywhere, anywhere, and write anything. Others need a special time and place to be creative. Which one are you? I think I could do it anywhere. Um, I prefer writing at a desk,
0: but when their desk isn't available, it doesn't hinder me too much. I could whip out, you know, a thousand words a day, same at a desk than I can at a table or at a bed or on the floor. Coffee shop. Coffee shop. That might distract you.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Austin L. Wiggins, the person. Sure. Where did, you, where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like?
0: I grew up in, a, in Southern California in a desert city outside of Palm Springs. It's called Indio, California. The only people who would know about Indio are people who know about Coachella Fest. It's the is it near La Jolla? Right next to it. It's okay. further away from La Jolla. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's where Coachella Fest is held. It's nearby Glamis. It's a, it's a desert city. I was a musician first. Um, From elementary school to high school, actually, I graduated high school, I played music. I started with the saxophone. And, you know, just gradually changed instruments as my interests change. Ended up right. playing the tuba and the bass guitar. So that's that's somewhat of a change. <laughs> but uh, that's, that was me. I mean, I played music. I read off and on. I wrote off and on. But music was always my go-to thing to do.
1: Yeah, I was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base when I was in the Air Force in um, around Palmdale, Bakersfield, uh, Lancaster. So I definitely know the California desert firsthand.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah,
1: Edwards. Yeah. Or it got hot. It, it got really, really hot. I, I'll never forget it. Um, so, Austin, what were some of the books and authors that inspired you in your youth?
0: In my youth? In high school, is easily uh, George Luis Borges. Uh His short story collection *Ficciones* was, creatively speaking, uh, some of the most impressive things I've read. Uh, and that was a collection of short stories. If I didn't say that. Other than that, um, I don't know. I I read around a lot. Uh, I read a lot of Ari Salvatore because I was reading fantasy a whole lot. I read countless of his books because my dad kept them in his bookshelf as well but um, I think more now I'm influenced by people like Gabriel Garcia Marquez uh, Stephen King I like his I like his works I'm actually reading his 112263 22 63 books now which is an impressive work in itself But um, I think the writer that I identify most with is Albert Camus, who I've mentioned already. And that's just because how seamless his, how he ties in philosophy and a story without forcing it on anybody, without making it the, you know, the oorah, this is the philosophy I believe in type deal.
1: Without without hitting you over the head. Exactly. Okay, got it. Austin, you're also a poet with works such yes. as The Mind-Wandering Wanderer. Was poetry your first love, as it is for so many of us? Yeah,
0: actually it was. Um, I wrote poetry all the time, Um Nothing good, nothing that I would ever show to people, but I wrote it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you still write it? I still write it. Um, well, actually, I'm not writing short stories or poetry right now because I'm on hiatus working on a novel. Okay. But uh, I am, when I do write short stories, I also write poetry to kind of supplement the. Uh, the bulk of my content on my blog and I love it. It's yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's a, I don't know. There's something different about it. There's something different about writing poetry than writing fiction. That's a whole animal in itself. And I like it.
1: I see you also write for an online magazine called beautiful losers billed as the online outlet for the literature You won't find anywhere else. How did this literary marriage happen, and how often do you submit articles to them?
0: I technically am a co-creator of Beautiful Losers magazine. Okay. Um, So it started, there was a guest blog, or a guest post on my blog by Dario, who posted uh, a work of creative nonfiction which is really good, by the way. And we started some philosophical conversation after that. And I didn't know what at the time, but I'm like, hey, we should work on a project together. It was vague. There was no real definition to it. It was just like, we should start a project together. Then at the same time I was talking to my close friends, like, hey, we should, you know, get together a magazine, a literary magazine for millennials or millennial interests and just take that see where it goes. The plan fell through on my friend's side unfortunately, but I shot the idea over to Dario who, you know, latched onto it as much as I did. So we're like, "All right, how can we make this a thing?" We brought in another writer, Alfonso who is known in some indie worlds as a poet as well as a fiction writer. And we slowly started sculpting this idea of beautiful losers. What's beautiful losers? You know, it was, it was just an idea. Like, contemporary literature, especially, from my opinion, short stories, contemporary short stories, seem to fall flat a lot of times. And I know my own short stories do it as well. And we wanted to have a place where... We can get alternative views on literature, alternative opinions, thoughts, just something that goes against what contemporary literature says it should be. And so we just slowly built the idea around that. We're now um, decent. I mean, we're growing. We're coming out with our first issue soon, a vague soon. But uh, we just got a sample of our first issue. And we're lacking where it is, so we're,
1: we're moving in that direction. Sounds great. Sounds very good. Um, you answered my next question, but I want to talk more about it. I was, sure. I was going to ask, looking into the future, do you plan to expand your stories and write novels or nonfiction books? And if so, what genres will they be? Now, you just told me that you're on hiatus because you're working on a novel. Can you expand on this novel?
0: That yeah, you're working so on. I officially went on hate as soon as I went on vacation. Uh came to visit my wife because work had me not being able to see her. But the whole time there was an idea kind of lingering on Google Docs and in the back of my head about um, a guy who is depressed and whose depression manifests. In the shape of a void that only he can see, and it centers around that idea—the play with him, the void, depression, and his relationship with his family. So that, those are the concepts that I'm playing with. It's still early in its infancy. I think I'm somewhere around 10,000 words in, but those are those are the. You know, the seedlings that I'm deciding to play with that was going to be a short story originally. I pitched it to my editor friend as a short story. He really liked the idea. He's like, I'd really like to see this. And I was like, well, yeah, i will get around to it. You know, non-committal because that's how I am. But um, it just kept on growing over time. Like, hey, what if I added this to the short story? What if I added this? What if? You know, I try to write something that's a little bit suspense or a little bit thriller, you know? And so I'm I'm toying with all these concepts and kind of trying to meld genres. Like, I like suspense. I can't write it well yet, but I really like suspense. But I also like works from Gabriel Garcia Marquez that's more magical realism. So I'm toying with those and I'm kind of molding them into something of a general fiction that just feels like it's me on paper. Let's
1: talk social. Let's talk social media. I know you're on Twitter and LinkedIn. Of the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand? And which in your estimation is the best for writers or does each platform offer its own special compensations?
0: I've actually had this conversation with my coworkers for the LitMag. Um, where we're at right now, oh. where I'm at right now, I should say, is that Twitter is the the best way to get small scale attention to whatever project you're working on. If you want, you know. Just to bring in as much attention as possible to whatever you're working on, Twitter is probably the best way to go, and there are multiple strategies to go about doing that. For instance, uh, our magazine. What we like to do is comment on our, you know, retweet, reply, et cetera, et cetera, on authors whose works we like. Is like, hey, we really like your work, and then that'll you know backtrack to us. And it could be someone like Stephen King who will never probably read that tweet in his whole life but the following we'll we'll see that tweet and maybe they'll be like oh who's beautiful in this magazine and you know come to us so there's traffic easily generated that way through Twitter right Um, is LinkedIn working for you LinkedIn isn't working for me Um, I like it I think it's a way to showcase myself more as a a writer, albeit amateur, but still a writer. I think that's a good way to showcase that I am a writer, that I am semi-professional, I guess.
1: Um,
0: But it doesn't generate any traffic to my blog. Okay. Facebook, on the other hand, um, currently for for small-scale stuff, like, for just generating traffic. It also doesn't quite work out. I, at least I haven't found a way for it to work out. Uh, I mean, unless you want to share it with your friends, which I already do on my own Facebook profile. Like, hey, everybody, right. check out this thing that I just wrote, and, you know, things like that. Right. If that works, mm-hmm. my friends generally like to read whatever you're doing. But in terms of, like, people you don't know, Facebook doesn't really work out well either. It seems like... And please, somebody, if you know that there is a better way, like send me an email. My email is probably attached to this talks or this show somewhere. Send me an email. Let me know if I'm wrong. But it looks like Twitter is the best way to, you know, generate traffic, to generate interest in whatever you're doing.
1: i got to tell you, um, I don't know if you remember this one, but before all of them was a social media called MySpace. And I remember MySpace. My space, when it first came out, was, was the bomb. I mean, you could put yeah. music, or you could put blogs. You, you had print. Oh, man, it, it was a conglomeration to me of all the media outlets in one, and it was just the right. greatest, greatest thing. And then, boom, Facebook blew up, and everybody moved over the space, Facebook, and, and the rest is history. But I'm with you. Uh, I think Twitter you know, is the best bang for the buck right now. So in closing, in closing, Austin, I have, a to me, a very interesting question. What advice would you give to a very young authors who are just starting out? What would be the first piece of advice you would give them?
0: The first piece of advice? Is it okay if I give two? You can give three if you want. Sure. My first piece of advice is to not be stubborn to critique critique is the only way that i've grown as much as i have in such a short period of time i've taken everybody's advice even if i think they might not know anything about writing one of my readers is a physicist or you know a studying physicist i should say sure and i take his opinion as much as my friend who is a professional editor So you never know, you know, readers come in all shapes and sizes, so should should their advice. So be open to advice and be willing to change what you're doing if you feel like the majority of your audience doesn't feel like it's working. My second piece of advice is something that I was too stubborn to do, but I feel like every writer should. And that's just to read as much as you can. It's the most cliched thing in all of writing advice. And it's the one thing that helps the most.
1: Excellent advice. Excellent. So what's next for Austin L. Wiggins? I know you mentioned the novel, but do you have any other irons in the fire coming up?
0: So the first issue of our magazine should be out within the next few months. Okay. Um, Coming with that will be a fiction contest and a few other things that will be nice for a community of writers that I want to build. Another project that's sort of just hanging in the back of my mind, but I don't have a place for it yet, is I want to start a sort of storytellers club. I've realized, you know, when going to bars or hanging out with people that people freely give out their stories. Like they talk about their lives as a kid or X, Y, Z. And I wanted, I want really bad to create a place where people tell stories out loud to each other and it just be critiqued. No written, no, you know, that preparation just impromptu storytelling and it could take whatever form you want it to be in. It could be like a horror story that you just make up on the spot or, you know, whatever a story about your life that you'd think is just really captivating and just see, you know, like critique it, general impressions and just create a small community of good storytellers.
1: You know, they say great minds think alike. I've been thinking about that same exact thing for, for a year or so now. Uh, as far as even getting the website name, tellyourstory.com, I'm pretty sure that that website name is taken, but you're right. I mean, a place where anyone can go at any age now, 6, 16, 60, and just tell a story. Right. You know, just, just tell a story, you know. And you say, you know, it'd be critiqued. And it doesn't even have to be critiqued. I mean, right. just get the story out and just tell your story. And I bet you somebody will find that story fascinating. So, yeah, 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 we're on the same wavelength. So um, if how do people contact you? Give out any contact or how they follow you or any website or give out all the above if you'd like.
0: Okay, so you can follow me on Twitter with uh, Writings you could just follow my blog which is writingsbyender.com now I'm officially a .com which is great or if you know you want to talk to me more personally you can follow me you can find me on Facebook leave me a message and we can talk that way uh, Austin now Wiggins and you'll find me yeah it's pretty easy to find me on the internet
1: This has been the Funky Writer Show, the icon, over 200 shows, with me, Robert Batista. I'm at, at author R. Batista on Twitter. Look for my free short stories, Carmela's Dream and My Baby Has No Name, on smashwords.com. My guest has been a young man with a pen who will only get better with time, Austin L. Wiggins. You can go to his website, writingsbyender.com, and feast your soul. Thank you so much, Austin, for being a guest on the Funky Writers Show. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Yeah, it's been great. Have a great day. Bye now.
0: You as well. Bye.